Hello and welcome to another episode of The Close Podcast. I am Cooper Knowlton. I am joined uh, by Bradley Polina. And uh, today we are very excited to have uh, David Lambino, the Managing Director of External Affairs from Two Trees, joining us. Um, David is going to be, we're going to be focusing today's conversation on the refinery at Domino, uh, which is uh, the centerpiece of the 11-acre Domino Sugar Factory site in Williamsburg. Um, anyone familiar with New York City, I'm sure, has seen this building. Um, it's a it's an iconic space, and um, it's been being developed for the last few years. And, and um, we're really excited to to dive in and chat about it. Um, just a little bit of background: the refinery will include a 15-story, 460,000 square foot office space within an industrial within the classic uh, industrial space uh, that was completed in 1884. Um, it'll also it will also house sixty thousand square feet of retail space, including a fitness club with an indoor pool and a full service gym. Um, it is set to redefine the standard of commercial buildings in New York City, offering a world class workspace and amenities, uh, while also preserving the site's rich history and embracing sustainability. Um, so, I guess, uh, Dave, maybe the first question is, what did I get wrong there? Um, jump in and maybe just tell us, maybe just give us a little bit of background on this project. Obviously it's, it's been, it's been in the works for a while and, um, just kind of interested in, in how it came about and, and the history of, uh, of the building and, and your involvement over the last, I guess, decade or so. Sure. Um, you know, it's a project, it opened three weeks ago. Um, you know, it was 10 years in the works before that, uh, we bought, the 11 acre domino site for $185 million in, um, in 2012. Um, we, uh, we actually closed two weeks after hurricane Sandy, um, and, and made a bunch of changes to the design as a result. But, um, we, uh, it was an interesting site, you know, in addition to being an active sugar refinery up until 2004, um, it, had a previous developer that that successfully rezoned it from manufacturing industrial to dense residential. Um, that was CPC Resources, and that took place over a number of years in the um, late aughts. Um, and they successfully rezoned it. Um, we they they you know for various reasons, the financial crisis at the time, um, lack of you know they they didn't have. Uh, you know, a track, a, a huge track record of for-profit development. They, they put it up for auction. We were one of three bidders. Um, I think a lot of folks were scared of a lot of things on the site that uh, kept people out of the bidding. I mean, uh, one was, you know, the refinery building, which was landmarked um, at the middle of the site and how to, how to contend with that and how to develop that in a way that wasn't, you know, a total uh, loss leader was, you know, something that not, I think required some imagination. Um, we hired uh, shop architects and James Corner Field Operations to come up with a new scheme for the site. Um, you know, one that I think reflected Two Trees values, uh, development philosophy based on our experience here in Dumbo. And we worked with them over a number of months and came up with a, a new plan with a significant, you know, significant changes. We we took the refinery, which was <clears throat> going to be a for sale residential condominium, um, and and switched the use from residential to to, to commercial office. So that, that's something that's virtually unheard of. 
Um, it was unheard of then, and now it's really unheard of. But but trading, um, you know, office FAR density for I'm trading residential density for office density. But it was something we felt strongly about. You know, looking around the city, um, looking at recent developments or neighborhoods that that are exclusively residential, and they're not particularly successful neighborhoods in our opinion. Um, they lack 24-7 energy. They have bad retail, you know, just a, I'm thinking of, you know, earlier version of Battery Park City or the Trump buildings on the far west side of Manhattan, um, you know, don't really inspire um, a lot of interest. So we, we changing the refinery from from condo to, to office was was part of the change that we saw it and, 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 and we thought it would just, the refinery as a, as a more public building with retail on the ground floor um, and having it buzzing with kind of, you know, creative class tenants um, would activate the site. Um, we also enlarged Domino Park um, significantly. We um, took one of the building sites and killed it entirely, expanding the park by an acre. And we took that density and made all the other buildings taller. Um, we put a road in, a New York City street in, and reconnected the street grid to make it to kind of pull the the development back into the neighborhood and give people access to the park. So we we took those changes and, and we went, we, we elected to go back through a, a, a ULERP, a land use review process, um, the political process through which you change zoning. And so that, that was pretty unique. Um, so the, what you see today was very much by design, um, you know, more of a mixed use neighborhood that we're developing there. In addition to, to the refinery, which is 460,000 square feet, you mentioned there's also 10 grand, which is an office building that's about 160,000 square feet that's fully leased. Um, so that, you know, uh, that was, that's some of the, that's, that's abbreviated version of what was a very long lead up to um, the construction and opening of the refinery. So I've got a question. So that, that was a really helpful overview, by the way, and it's, a, it's such a cool project and there's, there's so much to, uh, to admire about it. It's, it's really just something you don't see a lot, you know, um, in Midtown and lower Manhattan, when you, when you think about the types of developments and redevelopments that are going on, this, this really just stands apart. Right. And so I guess from our understanding, a number of the historical aspects of the property from the late 1800s were, were maintained or preserved in the, the property in its current form. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, some of, uh, some of that? Sure. Um, you know, the, there were, 27 outbuild, you know, outbuildings on the property, small, you know, medium sized and actually quite big that we demolished, um, leading up to the development of the, of the apartments and offices. But, um, before we did that, we took a, you know, a very serious inventory of what was there and what could be reused. Um, and we incorporated a lot of that into the development of Domino Park. Um, all of the, all of the benches are, are made from wood that was salvaged from um, the, the ceilings of one of the uh, buildings that we knocked down. Um, the elevated walkway in Domino Park, which is similar to like a mini High Line, um, is is connected by steel uh, girders that that were the 
um, structure of the raw sugar warehouse. We, we took syrup tanks and conveyor belts and um, other artifacts uh, and scattered them through the, the park. Um, so when you walk through the park, you'll you confront these these relics from, you know, the industrial age. And then the refinery itself, um, you know, 500 some odd windows, uh, hundreds of thousands of bricks. Um, we, we undertook a two year restoration of of all of the, reappointing all the bricks, cleaning them, um, repairing them, getting them, you know, ready for showtime. Spent almost ten million dollars on that contract, um, painstaking work. Uh, but the result is, you know, the, the restored facade, which I think, you know, is really critical to the historic fabric of the site and adds this kind of dimension to it that you can't get with just new construction. What about if we kind of think about the, the office aspect of the project for a second, you know, it's it's really interesting to us following this that you guys had the idea for this. It sounds like well before the pandemic, well before all these shifting attitude towards office work and and how to get people into the office and what a worthwhile office experience is like. Um, and you know what we've seen very recently is um, office you know businesses of all shapes and sizes trying to make the office experience a little more interesting a little more immersive a little more interactive again based on what we've read about the office side of this project it seems like there are quite a few features of the property and the interior of the property that kind of deviate from your standard office it's a place to come sit behind a computer it's a place to go sit in a room around a table have a meeting there's just sort of for lack of a better way of putting it, a lot of cool stuff it looks like in this building. Could you kind of tell us uh, some of those uh, s- some of those features that sort of um, that I was touching upon in terms of uh, bringing this out of the mold of the of the traditional of the traditional office space? Sure, you know, we're I mean, we clearly the the demand for office um, is is now includes you know more an amenitized version of what the office used to be. Right. I mean, there needs, people need to want to go to it. Um, and, and, and so I think, um, in, in a way that they used to have to go to it and now they need to want to go to it. So, you know, a lot of the refinery features that we've developed are, are, you know, can be seen as amenities for, for our office tenants. Um, you know, the first one I would say is the penthouse, which is this, you know, um, 25,000 square foot, 27,000 square foot um, roof with arched glass with 360 degree views of uh, both lower Manhattan and Midtown um, east to, you know, Jamaica Bay and the airports. You can see the whole city. Um, It's really extraordinary. And, and, And a portion of that space will be devoted exclusively for to um, our office tenants. They can, there'll be a, kitchen and a bar and they can go up there and have a meeting, do apre work up there. Um, and, um, and I think that's pretty unique. Um, you know, the Equinox you mentioned, uh, certainly, you know, an amenity for, um, for our office tenants. Um, there, there's a, we, we already poured and built a pool in the basement. Um, there'll be a 35,000 square foot plus Equinox. Um, you know, that's, uh, to have that in your building, um, it's the, you know, it's 
something we all hope for um, from our office spaces and don't always get. Um, you know, there'll be the, the park, I think, is the biggest amenity. Um, you know, to be able to walk outside and, and, and sit in the park and have lunch, uh, meet with colleagues, um, exercise. Uh, I think, you know, it's not something you get in Midtown. Um, the views are extraordinary. Um, you know, we're doing food and beverage on the ground floor, you know, working, we're going to work with some exciting partners there like we normally do to, you know, uh, as a destination restaurant, I think it'll, you know, it'll be tremendous. Um, so there's a lot there, you know, the neighborhood of Williamsburg. I mean, where would you rather work on, you know, in Midtown East uh, or in like, you know, arguably the coolest, most creative, you know, neighborhood in, in the city. So you know, I think that those are some of what some of the assets that we have there that you don't have elsewhere. Dave, I want to I want to hone in a little bit more about the decision. Um, you mentioned that it was initially initially your plan was to turn this into uh, residential units, which I think is as someone who lives in New York, I, I think I, when I used to walk by that site, I just assumed that that's what it was going to be. Um, you look at most of the waterfront along that in that area; it's all big high rise residential buildings, and I'm just kind of curious when you decided to make that pivot and make that transition, what, what led to that? Was it, was it a understanding of the demographics or, or just an analysis of, of financials? Was it more of just kind of a gut feeling of this is where this is a, this is a better play. Is it, um, you know, just, just kind of like walk us through like how that decision gets made um, to, to really do a very significant pivot um, away from kind of the, the safe move to something that's a little bit more, more of a risk. Yeah, I think it, it, it was grounded in our experience in Dumbo, right? So um, Two Trees developed a lot of the neighborhood here, um, you know, converting some residential, converting some industrial buildings to residential starting in the late 90s. Um, you know, through that process, we actually sort of accident, sort of on purpose, uh, kept about a million and a half square feet of office here in Dumbo. And... It's been a, you know, um, during that time, you know, rents have gone, you know, up to the mid fifties for our office space here. Um, you know, and that has been a terrific in, in, in market cycles, you know, a balancing, uh, mechanism with, with our residential here. Um, but it also has contributed to making it a more desirable place to be, um, you know, you have office and 24 seven work, you know, workers, um, you get better retail. Uh, you're not just getting a dry cleaner and a pharmacy. Um, you're getting interesting stores and restaurants that leads to more demand for the residential. Um, you know, we get some of the highest, uh, price, you know, rents per square foot in Dumbo and in Williamsburg in the borough. Um, and, you know, that's a result of it being a desirable place. So it was this philosophy um, that was developed in, in kind of how Dumbo developed. And we, and we exported that to, to Domino. When you have a big site, 11 acres, and now we have another four acres to the north at what we call River Ring, um, you know, you have a, a big canvas and you can do things when you have that kind of space and that kind of density that you can't do if you're just developing a one-off building somewhere in Manhattan or, or Brooklyn or Western Queens. So, you know, that was, and lastly, I would say, you know, we also want to do something interesting, you know, with our lives here. Um, 
you're going to spend 10 years on a project. It better be something you're passionate about and, uh, and making those changes and, 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 and going with our gut to some extent on those changes was, you know, a really it has been, a, a, you know, a, a, an exciting experience from a professional perspective for sure. So what's the, uh, I, I'm sure we ask while we're on with you, what's, what's kind of the current status of things over there? I, I think it was you that, I don't know if it was you or Cooper mentioned that it, it opened this, this opened a few weeks ago, kind of who's there, who's open for business or office tenants are there. I know you mentioned Equinox, like what's, what's going on over there? Yeah. I mean, there's still quite a bit of construction happening <laughs> that, you know, we're, um, we're doing tours like crazy, a uh, lot of interest, um, you know, our, our leasing team has expanded um, to, to deal with the, the, the flow uh, of, of tours and interest over there. We're, we took the first two floors or the third and fourth floors of the building um, and did pre-builds. So you can go in there and, and it, you know, we built out these offices, um, give, give folks a sense of what they could look like, um, split, you know, breaking them up into smaller chunks, 3,000 square feet feet, 5,000 square feet pre-builds. And a couple of those are, you know, we have people in different phases of, of the leasing process, you know, for some of those pre-build spaces um, already. So that's exciting. Um, and then, you know, we knew we had a lot of confidence that there would be demand for the smaller spaces based on our experience at 10 grand, just to the north where we had 160, 120,000 square feet 160,000 square feet of, of office um, and lease that up during the pandemic in those smaller floor plates, 6,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet for a split floor. Um, and so that's, that's been our, our early on uh, focus, but it's a busy site. You know, we're going to be, um, it's, it, you know, m most of the building is just core and shell. Um, you know, we have a lot of work to do to fit out, spaces both for future tenants and um and the penthouse which will be you know partially an event space and partially a, a, an amenity for for our office tenants so that's going to ha be happening over the winter as well so a 10-year project i know every single one of these projects uh comes with its own own challenges and and war stories i'm wondering if there's any particular hurdles that you encountered in this project that you can share that were, that were unique or totally unexpected or something that, you know, every time we talk to someone about one of these projects, there's some crazy story that they encountered. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when we got there, you know, it, it smelled distinctly of sugar, um, <laughs> syrup, uh, you know, there, the, the, we found that, you know, even though it looked like a building from the outside, from the inside, it was, basically a century old machine. Um, you know, the floors didn't line up with the windows. There were elements of the, you know, industrial refining process that had equipment that spanned three stories. Um, there were resident raccoons on the site. It was, a, you know, it was a mess. Um, even though it was operational as recently as 20, 2004, uh, there was a lot of work to do, you know, because of the landmark status. Um, and the facade being landmarked, we needed to take all of that stuff on the inside and break it down into bite-sized pieces um, because we couldn't open the facade. We had to take it out an existing hole. So, you know, with blow torches and other equipment, we literally broke down cast iron machinery um, 
into these pieces that could fit out through your through your living room door. Um, so that was a huge challenge. We you know had our we do our own construction. We're our own GC. Um, so our team was in there for years, literally breaking down stuff uh, into those bite-sized pieces. We had to brace the facade um, because the when we hollowed out the building, um, you know there was structural support that was gone. So we had these giant steel braces um, for several years around the outside of the facade. Had to pour a new foundation and then reattach the building um, to the new steel class A office building that we built on the inside in order to bring, to, to erase the, um, to, to pull up, to pull away the braces. Um, the roof, you know, uh, curved, you know, dome, um, arch, um, that mimics the arch of many of the windows. Uh, you know, putting the glass on there was, was interesting. Um, you know, each piece was custom made. Um, you know, we had to haul, uh, uh, you know, with a with a with a with a tower crane, pick each piece of glass up and 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 mold it onto the the steel arches underneath. Um, the team that did that, these guys were all uh, like mountaineers. Um, you know, they they're like into rock climbing and mountain climbing, and and they had this special you know special trade where they did not fear heights and were able to kind of put that stuff up there in a in you know a world in a, in a very you know efficient fashion that was fun to watch um but there there are a lot of stories more coming um as we uh as we build this thing out i had one one we're kind of jumping around here but there was something yeah. cool i read in one of the articles about the building i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about this i read somewhere that basically the existing brick i don't know if, what the word is facade or the existing brick structure you then built glass a few feet inside of that and in certain areas of the building basically if it snows or rains it, it almost sounds like it's going to be like a like an experiential aspect to it is that what could you tell us about that yeah that I mean, it, it was a gap or it was a design dis decision that we made um there were several iterations of the refinery design as an office building the, the last one was you know, we worked with Vishan Chakrabarty at, at, and his team at PAL. Um, together, we came up with this concept um, that if you didn't build the building to the facade, but recessed it um, on all four sides by 12 or so feet, uh, you would get better light penetration into the depths of the building. Um, and it also creates this effect where um, you can get rained on and snowed on when you're walking in the building, you know, or around the building, um, in between the, the class A building and, and the historic facade, but it also allowed us to, to do plantings in there. So we've, we brought in 30 plus trees, um, that are growing, um, in between the facade and the building. So there's an incredible, you know, you get an incredible view from one of our pre-builds of this gap of the sunlight coming in through these you know, historic windows that are recessed and, and plant and biophilia coming up, you know, in between the building and, and your office. Um, so it's pretty, pretty unique, pretty spectacular, but it was very much ground in this, you know, concept of trying to, you know, the ch answering the challenge of getting light to penetrate into what's a, you know, pretty wide floor plate. 
I'm wondered, I wonder, you know, so much of the news right now in, in New York City is centered around uh, how much the owners of commercial spaces are struggling and, and how empty so many buildings are specifically in, in Midtown. And um, I'm wondering if you, your experience in developing this, and obviously you guys, Two Trees is, is all over the city, um, wondering just sort of how you're viewing the current market and if there's any lessons that you take away from, from this project that um, are maybe applicable to other developers or, or owners of commercial real estate in New York? Sure. I mean, we have some buildings or a building in, you know, in Manhattan, an office building in Manhattan that, you know, is, will suffer some of the same um, challenges that, that a lot of the non-class A spaces will, you know, are, are, are facing. Um, namely, there's so much inventory at that price point that why on earth would somebody go um, and choose our space? It's a nice space. It's totally, it's in a nice neighborhood and there's good retail, et cetera. But like, there's just so much of it out there that, you know, to get a new tenant there is like winning the lottery. Um, the, uh, you know, Domino, our Dumbo portfolio, a million and a half square feet of office here, um, we've seen a lot of new leases, um, you know, smaller spaces, people, you know, retreating from the central business districts, wanting to work close to home. We've probably done more leases, you know, in the last, in the last year, um, than we have at any time in our history. The, 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 the you know, the wrinkle there is that we've needed to do more because more people have left. So, um, we're doing a lot. Um, but the, you know, the, the, uh, the stop is out of the drain and, and we're losing some too. So it, you know, we're backfilling that, that space in as quickly as we can, you know, the refinery, um, we have a lot of confidence because of 10, our experience at 10 grand down the street, you know, we, where we saw a lot of tenants come from, um, the neighborhood, you know, who may have had offices in Manhattan or were working from home, but the prospect of having something close to their residence, in the neighborhood, you know, they love, um, was, you know, drove a lot of demand for, for that space. We leased up 10 grand, um, you know, during the pandemic, um, essentially we opened the leasing office there, you know, a couple of months before that March date and in 2020, and obviously things stopped cold for a long time, but then over 21 and 22, um, you know, we were able to lease, lease it up. So that gives us a fair amount of confidence at the refinery, the refinery, is such a unique property um, that you know we, we're not we don't see ourselves as competing against what's going on in Midtown and Manhattan, um, but it's a challenge nevertheless. Certainly doesn't seem like a commoditized property or project to us. Nope. It's, it sounds nope. really cool. I, 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 you know, I'd love to get down there sometime. Yeah, just, you ought to. Such an interesting looking building, and and. I, to my mind, I don't know of something comparable, again, just in the city, in Midtown, in the financial district. I mean, the, the geographic setting and, you know, as you said, just acres of, of park and land and this cool former industrial site. It's just, it's not something that I personally have come across before as a, as a real estate attorney or a, or a consumer. I, I, I think it's, it's really awesome. Thank you. That, that's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, a fun project. Certainly the park and the success of the park, you know, are career highlights for most of the folks here in the office, you know, cutting the ribbon on the park, um, 
seeing folks immediately kind of start walking in there and treating it as their own, um, you know, the diversity of our, of our users, you know, in the park, um, it, that's, that was, you know, uh, a real career highlight for, 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 uh, for us. All right, Dave. Well, uh, we said we'd we'd uh, chat with you for thirty minutes. We were about to get into the part where we asked you about your personal life and, and your marriage, <laughs> but, uh, but looks like looks like the clock is uh, is ticking. So, um, super. This is a great conversation, and really appreciate you carving out some time for us. Um, I guess last question is just uh, if people want to learn more about the refinery or potentially come down and, and visit the site, um, what's the best way for them to uh, to get more info? Yeah, um, go on the refinery website. Um, and, and scroll, you know, scroll down to contact and, uh, someone on our team, we're working with Marianne Ty's team at CBRE. Um, we also have our in-house, um, commercial, um, leasing team. Uh, and, and so we're doing tours every day. Um, we'd love to show you around and, uh, and check it out. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, thanks again for your time and, uh, yeah. look forward to chatting again soon. My pleasure. Good meeting you. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, Knowlton, and Polina on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.